now. I've been in the industry to understand what, what the uh, web development side costs. And for them to say, Reese, we don't want to take your money. We actually want to be part of this and give our time, not for free, but you get what I mean, and, and actually have a chunk of something that is not liquid, right? There is no exit right now. And be part of making there an exit opportunity. That, when that door got accepted, I went into Sajud because I knew that this was a tipping point. You know, they talk about a tipping point. That for me was a tipping point because we went from there to say, can I have this, this and this to asking experts, what do you think? How can we take this to the next level? What have you seen at the corporates that you're working with to give best practices? For me, I had no clue. So to have smart people in the room, Alhamdulillah. And from there, that snowball just kept rolling. Twitter blew up, Instagram blew up, LinkedIn started blowing up. And for me, we were getting really, really good responses from people. And suddenly it became less of a project and more of a business. Welcome to another podcast of the I Love Monday podcast. Today's episode, we have someone who I call the Muslim Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazing, Reese. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I love Mondays. Um, tell us about Reese and where he started. Should I lay down on there and yeah, go for just it. go therapy, full style therapy? Where I started. If you need it. Oh, to, to be fair, I'll get proper value out of this, yeah. Um, now, where I started, a little bit about me. So, I was born in London, in Westminster, but I grew up in an area called Bushy. Um, don't know if, if anyone's ever heard of that. It's a small little village um, next to Watford. And um, my family are mixed race. So, my mother is a revert. She's English and Caribbean. And my dad is Indian. Uh, Indian from Kenya, but originally from kind of grew up in Uganda. So during the time of um, Idi Amin, came as a refugee. And of all the places he chose to come in the UK, went to Southall. Um, and then met my mum, and now she's a revert and where we are today. So for me, personally, I grew up in Bushy for most of my life. Um, going to school, I was typically the only brown person in school, let alone the only Muslim. Certainly, usually the only practicing one as well. Um, but as well, a little bit on the family side, I'm an identical twin, so if you see me walking around twice, it might not actually be me. Um, and I am the youngest as well by four minutes. So I've got an older sister as well. Um, that that pretty, pretty much wraps up me as a person. What, what did you do in college, uni? What was your childhood like? So in school, I'll be honest, I was uh, probably quite disruptive. Um, in fact, even before school, I was quite disruptive. Um, kind of a little bit laddish behaviour, very, very immature. Um, but I got to around, I'd say all the way to sick form. And then I started to take things a little bit more seriously. My brother had left the school that I was going to, to, to somewhere else. And um, I think for me, even the, the friendship groups I had, they started changing. I think a lot of people talk about you grow out of your friendship, uh, certain friendship groups. Um, and I think it's a very common experience. And that, that pretty much happened to me. So around sick form time, I was basically spending my time in the, in the library. Um, and that's when I realized actually the disruption was kind of a waste of time because I actually enjoyed learning. So um, I did my A-levels, I was quite into economics um, and that sort of stuff, the business side. Um, I was always that kid at school. You know, you get those ones that were selling the, the, the sweets, those ones. They always say, how did you start your business journey? I was selling sweets. I am that cliche of selling sweets. Um, 
But for me, um, I did economics and I went on to, to university to do economics. It was between that and accounting for me as well. Um, but I'll be honest, if I look back today, I probably would have done something maybe similar to an apprenticeship. But given where I am today and the journey of Amazing, which I'm sure we'll speak about, Leicester, the University of Leicester, is absolutely critical in the journey of where I am today. So I'm glad that I went to university and wrapped up that, uh, that amount of uh, tuition fees. Um, but I think the, the company I, I made at uni, um, the people I met changed me to be a better person. Eventually met my wife um, in Leicester as well, alhamdulillah. Um, and because of that, I've managed to be able to start amazing as well. Why, why was uni so critical? I think for a lot of people, you either know you want to go uni or you don't. And some people are kind of in the, in the middle. And for me, I was in the middle because there are some people that choose to be a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, you know, those ones where straight path to, to their career. But there are others that choose to do something more vague, you know, international relations, business, economics. For me, I felt like I had to go into the finance industry, um, but it's not what ended up happening. Um, but uni was critical for me because growing up, I didn't really have a community, an ummah. Um, certainly when I was growing up, it was very much, you know, travel an extra 45 minutes to go to the mosque or even to Jummah. Um, you know, having to ask everywhere, is that halal? I mean, I know things have changed today. I mean, we're talking like 10, 15 years ago now, but genuinely everything was the vegetarian option for me. Everything was further because I had to go to um, miles more to try and get to places in London that would be able to, to give us what we needed as Muslims. So when I got to Leicester, if you've ever been Leicester and anyone watching that's ever been Leicester, that's a culture shock. You know, you've got people walking around in their jobbers, there are buyers, you've got a mosque dead, uh, dotted everywhere. You've got um, businesses that are truly run by Muslims and non-Muslims catering for our needs without even asking the question. Um, so for me, this was almost like I'd made some sort of journey to a, an absolute another country when really I was an hour and a half down the M1 and I hadn't been exposed to this at all growing up. And the, the types of people I met, all from different backgrounds, you know, I'm mixed race myself. So meeting people, especially in Leicester, there's a lot of reverts, a lot of different um, nationalities. And that's one of the beauties of Islam for me. You get so many nationalities and all you have to do is say salam and they smile at you and they return it. You know, you might not know that person, but they do. And in Leicester, that's how it is. You'll be walking down the street. You might not know that person, but they're so much nicer. And I appreciate there are areas of London that will probably be the same. I wasn't used to that. And for me, Leicester holds a very, very special place in my heart because I got really good friends and really good company out of it. And for me, company is a massive thing in terms of who you become as a person. If you have bad company around you, it reflects in the actions that you have and, and the actions that you, you, you go on to do. Um, and they also ground you if you've got good company. They'll tell you when you're out of line. Trust me, I get enough of that. Um, but also, you know, I met my wife eventually, having gone to Leicester, you know, not after the three years of going to university, it was actually after, but alhamdulillah for that. And the idea for Amazing came from that, from the community feel of, of university, of Leicester. Um, for me, I don't think the degree itself was in any way valuable for me. I don't think I have any transferable skills of a, a particular module, but the experience was something that I don't think I could get anywhere else. I think God does everything for a reason. Allah has his plan. 
clearly way, way better than I could have ever planned, alhamdulillah. It's interesting because Osama Musa, who's just come on the podcast, has mentioned you need to be really good for networking, but he was thinking of that in hindsight. I've never thought of uni as a networking place, and now you've basically said similar to him. It's perfect for for you and what you've done in, in terms of a sense of community. Sure. Um, you're also involved in family business, right? Yeah, massively, massively. How did you get into it? Did you have any reservations? I'm always interested in people's experience in family business because I'm from a family-run business yeah, as well. Definitely. Some people say I would never work with family, uh, so I'm always interested. Yeah, I mean, I see it a lot. I see a lot of people who are in the family business. I see a lot of people that are outside of the family business that have that sort of sentiment where they say, no, could never be me, could never be me. But for me, how it, how it happened was I didn't even graduate from uni. I did eventually, don't get me wrong, but I'd finished my exams and went straight into work. I just said to my dad, look, I'll help out. I'll do little bits here and there. And um, at that time, I wasn't actually working directly with my dad because I think we both understood that if I worked with someone else in the company, it might be a better experience, a little bit more arm's length. Um, and my dad would always get me involved in the, in the family businesses in agrochemicals and, and water treatment, shout out IWS. And, um, you know, back then as a, what, 21 year old, something like that, you know, if you could ask me, am I really passionate about agrochemicals, water treatment? Yeah, I'd never really heard about it really. So I finished my exams, I go to help out for a little bit, but in my head, I'm always thinking, look, I'm going to apply for jobs. I'm going to go to the big four because I've done an economics degree. I've done, you know, decent in my economics degree. I'm going to go do the natural path for someone that's done a finance based degree. So I applied for PwC, EY, Deloitte, all the big four, those sort of ones, um, and, the, and the general uh, sort of path for that. And I got a, uh, an interview, and um, I'll be honest, it was through nepotism. It wasn't necessarily through merit. I managed to get in front of them because someone knew someone. And um, it was more to find out what the industry was like and what a day in the life of, uh, of me would be like in that particular business. And he sat me down and bear in mind after this, I probably worked at IWS, the family business for at least three months, something like that, three, four months, a good, a good solid chunk of time. And he's talking, walking me through like audit, you know, what's it going to be like for audit? What's it going to be like for doing financial accounts? What's it going to be like for you as a cog in the machine? And I'll be honest, it just didn't interest me. It was, it was something where I felt I had so much to give, but I was kind of being restricted. And if I had ideas, like this is not the place I'd want to be giving it to. So he's talking, he's talking, he's going for it. And he gets to the point where he said, look, if you, if you want to move forward, we can. And he looks at my face and he says, look, Reese, I don't think this is for you. I think. Why? Because he's, he's describing a day in the life of this particular person. But before we'd had that conversation, he'd listened to me speak. He'd heard about the experiences I've had at IWS. You know, I've managed to pitch at the United Nations in Vienna, you know, I've been in the room with people who are far more experienced than me at the same table, maybe through nepotism, but don't get me wrong, the experience I've had to just be able to be at that table, listen and learn at that age of maybe 21, 22 is absolutely invaluable compared to being at maybe the big four where you're a cog in the machine and I have no disrespect for anyone that's at the big four, don't get me wrong, everyone has their own path. But for me, the way I learn, is I have, to, I have to be in it to actually understand it, right? And if I'm going to go through that route, I don't know if you would get the same release that you have today if I took that route. I might be four years later 
you might be asking me at the age of 29 that I've only just got to this position today. Um, so I had that conversation with him and he looked at me and said, look, I don't think you're going to get the same experience that you're getting now. And I think that was quite nice of him, actually, to just give me that level of reality. Um, so I said to him, OK, fine. Um, I, I agree with him. I'll be honest, I, I was kind of totally reserved in my head. I was checked out maybe 20 minutes into that. And I said to my dad after I called him, I said, look, I think I need to, to con continue, get my feet on the, uh, under the table a little bit and um, really figure out what I want to do. And then from there, we got to a point where essentially from being scared to pick up the phones when I first got there, you know, people were coming into the business, leaving the business. I was filling in the gaps. I'll, I'll take on that role. I'll take on the next role. You know, it's a family business. It's livelihood. It's not just a wage, you know, it's, it's to make sure that we've got food on the table to make sure my mum's uh, comfortable. You know, I'll always put 110% in compared to the guy that's just going in for a salary. So the more I got involved, the more I got exposed to better people that I could learn from the more I thought, actually, this is something I want to be part of. And until I can get to a position where I am totally tapped out on what I can learn, I'm hungry. You know, I really, 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 really want to learn that. So, you know, I was exposed to people from the city. I was exposed to people from the UN. I was exposed to people from various different industries that I hadn't even heard about. If you asked me today, like about a really random industry, you know, oil and gas and fracking and all that sort of stuff, I kind of know about it because I've met people from there and I've learned from them. If you asked me that when I was at, if I was at a big four or a totally different route of a career, I wouldn't have a clue. So in some sort of level, I've become more well-traveled or more experienced because I've been thrown into the deep end. Genuinely, I've been thrown into the deep end. And you're still at IWS now, isn't it? Yeah. So I think come May, I'll be touching <clears throat> five years, five years at IWS. So you started amazing while you're full-time IWS? 100%, yeah. So I had the idea for Amazing, I'd say the year I graduated, so 2018, sat on it for a while. I didn't even have a name for it. My brother walked into the room, I have to give him credit for this. He walked into the room and he named it. I was coming up with some crazy names. Well, so Like what? Imagine, I don't know, Imagine. I had some, some really, really like, uncreative names and then he walked in for five minutes and he saw me just sat there at the desk and he said, uh, Reese, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm trying to come up with a name for uh, you know, like a Muslim-centric business. He said, oh, what about Amazing? Oh, yeah, that's all right, it's fine. And he walked out of the room and went, yeah, Amazing, that'll do, that'll do. So straight, first thing I did was um, I went on to GoDaddy, grabbed the uh, domain, Hamdala 99p, it was there. I had to make sure I spelt it right, I bought every single variation of it. Um, and then went on Company's House, so this comes into 2019. I didn't really know about Company's House and all that sort of stuff back then. But again, from that experience at IWS, I was company secretary at certain, you know, at least the duties of, and I was um, filing the confirmation statement. I was uh, filing, helping filing the audited accounts. Um, so I knew about all of this eventually. So I thought I need to set up a company, at least make it dormant. So I've got the name. So set up the company uh, nearish my birthday in 2019. Um, then 2020, that's when I started getting really, really serious about doing it. And it was difficult to try and uh, balance full-time job and amazing. Because I remember there was a point where I'd made a, a presentation. My dad's quite, um, quite encouraging. You know, I've always had business ideas, whether they're good or not is another story, right? But I think this one I was really passionate about because it had some, something to do with the Ummah. And, um, you know, something to do with our, our community and inshallah, the deeds that we have moving forward. 
And um, I got to a point where my dad said, look, put together a presentation, pretend it's Dragon's Den, put it on TV and pitch it to us in the living room. And you know, my dad is of that way. And my mum is of that way. And my mum was acting like Deborah Meaden with a, with a hand going like that, like I'm out. And um, I pitched it for probably the most awful pitch if I was to have it recorded. And um, I pitched it for maybe 15, 20 minutes. And they all said, yeah, this is, this is a goer. So from there, that's when I put the, put the effort in to say, I'm going to make this happen. I don't care that I'm working full time. I'm going to make it happen. What gave you that idea? It's a good question. Um, I went through a lot of different ideas, none of them Muslim centric. And what, what I, I kind of got to was I was sitting at the desk and I was genuinely trying to come up with business ideas. I've always wanted to run my own business and make it something quite creative, make it something different that I was passionate about. And that was the thing, everything I was coming up with, I wasn't passionate about. And one thing that Lester had left me, left me with was a passion for community. Um, in fact, I was almost like, kind of FOMO on Leicester, the fact that, you know, it's all over there, people are going to, to all these lectures and, and um, you know, uh, all these community events. And I got none of that, you know, I could just about find a mosque and it's kind of like tumbleweed rolling across. So how do I fix that? What can I do straight away? So I wanted originally to create an all encompassing uh, app for Muslims, you know, prayer times, halal food, uh, services, we're here today, uh, goods, anything, just all in one app. And um, I wouldn't reinvent the wheel. What I would do is go and find those people that are doing that, create strategic partnerships and make it happen. Um, but the reason I was so passionate about it was because I, I saw what was possible. You know, when you, when you talk about the ummah, you know, how many times have we heard it where we say the ummah should be better? The ummah needs to give to charity. You need to give to charity for the ummah who is suffering, right? How often do we hear it positively? And we are in charge of that as Muslims, right? We are in charge of what our, our, our sons, our daughters, our children have in future generations. And, you know, there have been people that have tried, that have fantastic initiatives. You have them, I'm sure, on this podcast, right? Everyone is doing their own thing to push it forward. But I felt that there was a gap here in terms of bringing Muslim businesses and Muslim friendly businesses and services together with our own community to really hit the top. I'd lived in that Jewish community where I can tell you straight away, admirably, what they do in terms of keeping that business within their community and staying and, and increasing the value of their pound and increasing the value of charity that goes out is fantastic. And they do it and they've done it for God knows how many years. And that's something that I felt was lacking within our community. I saw it in Leicester. Where was it when I was in Watford? Where was it in like the middle of nowhere in Exeter? There are Muslims everywhere. We are the fastest growing community, right? You have got so many across the world. If you were to say that we were actually united in terms of doing business together in other elements, imagine how strong of a team that is. And for me, that was missing. So if I can even make a step in that right direction, I'd like to think that on the last day, without getting too deep, that I at least can say to God, I did something. And everyone else that supported can actually get that sort of reward as well, inshallah. What's your, what's your vision behind it? Is it the same as when you started? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the thing for us is, you know, the mission is genuinely to uplift the ummah, right? So whilst it looks like a services directory at the moment, 
what we're saying to you is, look, if you spend your pound with this particular business, he, will, he or she will give you a fantastic value for money. Their pound, your pound, will make them do better. And if they do better, you do better because you get great value uh, for, for money. And also, you know that that pound's being circulated within our own community. And if that pound means we can spend more on, on zakat, on sadaqa, brilliant. That's your pound that's going around. So for me, the vision is to have a system where Muslims work together in order to uplift our own community. There are so many of us. It should be the case that we can do that. Maybe it's idealistic. There is a lot of education involved to make this happen. And I know there are some negative um, stereotypes, assumptions that are, are kind of within our community about this sort of thing. But I think unless someone does it, someone holds strong to the actual principle, this isn't about making money. That's a byproduct. If it happens to work, then great. This is about genuinely making generational and legacy change within our community so that we can, we can have a better future. What are some of the negative things you've heard? I've heard this quite often. So I think even before I say it, you might have listeners that are already thinking it, you know, like so-and-so doesn't like doing business with so-and-so. They get jealous. There's a little bit of evil eye out and, and all the rest of it, right? For me, when we talk about amazing, amazing is not just the directory. Amazing is the culture, right? So you alone as a business, let's take High Castle Estates, you alone, are amazing with an A, yeah? When you work together with your community, which is what you've been doing over these years, right? You become amazing because you are giving them value for the work that you do, and they're in turn paying you for that value that you give. Now, if we could do that on scale, that's brilliant. Now, we do that in pockets at the moment, right? We might do that in, in areas where the demographic of Muslims are pretty high, but do we knowingly do that? And often, the stereotypes that come out are, a little bit of jealousy if so-and-so is doing better than the other person. That shouldn't be the case, but it is innately within us as humans to sometimes have that emotion. No one should skirt around it, but what we can do about it is follow a platform that we know can support others, that gives us value in return. Whether they do it on purpose because they do it out of the goodness of their heart is one thing, but if you know you get something for it and the byproduct is our ummah is uplifted, for me, that's a good thing. But for me, that stereotype is something that has cropped up a lot. And I think a stereotype exists because it happens or it's thought about. Unless someone or we as a community do something to change that stereotype, nothing's going to change because we are the ones that have put that stereotype there. It hasn't been outsiders or non-Muslims saying that, saying, oh, you know, the Muslim community don't really like helping each other out. That's not something that they've said. That's something we placed on ourselves and we have to remove it. You say that, and it is a stereotype, and there is also a stereotype Muslims don't like working with Muslims because customers ask for too many discounts yeah. and they're not being supported. Um, but, and we've got the other thing about the jealousy and everything. But I think that's about 10%, 15%, maybe 20%. The majority is supportive. So I think also the question is, is you get people obviously going to say negative things that might just be them as people but 100%. why don't we focus on the large chunks the 80 percent who would be positive be supportive and then use that to not just drive you forward we've got other companies or other muslim companies like muslim amir yeah or like tanim who both appeared on this podcast um 
to push Muslim to Muslim businesses forward and then keep that pound within this community to uplift the community, to uplift the Ummah and then it also pushes everyone forward and then those who are less fortunate, it pushes them a bit forward as well because essentially we're looking after our own. 100% I think you hit the nail on the head with that, you know with any uh, community, any idea that you have You've always got a situation where there is going to be that 10%, that 5%, 2% that don't agree with what you're saying. Whether it's with any valid uh, basis or whether they're just disagreeing for the fact of disagreeing, right? But my concentration isn't with them. For me, amazing is, as we said, the culture, right? You have to qualify to be amazing, right? Not everyone that signs up gets to go on there, right? However, if you don't follow the basic principles of wanting to uplift your ummah, or not believing in it, then okay, carry on as you are. I'm sure you're doing great. But if you feel that you could do better by working together later on, we'll welcome you with open arms. That's not something that we're, we're against. And that's why I say it's an educational piece. And I do agree that for 90% of people, we're okay. We'll, we'll go in that direction. But I think unless someone creates a, a mechanism or a platform that actually allows us to easily do that, then it's, not, it's gonna take too long. And for me, you know, we're only here for as long as God allows us to be here, right? We need to work fast on that. How, how did you manage your time with Amazing and your family business, especially at the beginning? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's something I'm still working on. Um, so back in the day, and this was before I was married, um, so I would start work at um, IWS, the family business, at about 8.30. Um, you know, we could be going on sites, you know, we could be going up north, it could be two, three hour, four hour drives. Um, and we, we work until late, you know, we're not talking like, I work an hour away from where I live, right? So we're talking, we finish at maybe seven, get home at eight on certain days, sometimes even later, I've done ones where I've gone up to Doncaster and come back at 12, right? Um, purely because I don't want to stay over there. <laughs> but the point is, it was hard, but when you have a passion to do something, you find the time. So even if I could get an hour, even just to listen to podcasts and learn about something within the sector or learn more about the sector when I was coming up with the idea, in the early days, it was very much learning. Um, and I had that hunger. I still do, but now I'm very smart about my time. So if we fast forward to today, you know, I'm newly married. I've got to have time for, for, for the missus and for my family, right? That's extremely important. So what that looks like today, is I'll wake up earlier, I'll get up at five, I'll pray Fajr, um, I'll go to the gym or go for a walk, whatever it looks like, without being a YouTube um, uh, productivity master here. Um, and um, then I'll get an hour and a half, two hours in, um, however that mathematically works out, to amazing. Um, and then I'll start my work at IWS. And as time has gone on, my family have been very supportive of giving me that bit of flexibility of being able to have calls for amazing during the day because I get my work done. You know, I, I try to work smart and hard, um, but if you want something enough, you will find the time. I'm not trying to Molly May this and do 24 hours in a day, but you will find the time. I know I can do it balancing a marriage, balancing a first job, second job, and technically a third. Amazing for me is that priority. Um, so if I'm passionate about it, I don't want to be the guy that came up with a great idea. I lose sleep over this. Came up with a great idea slept on it for too long, someone else more hungry took that idea and deserve it and got it to where it deserved to be purely because they wanted it more. And that's not me. I think it's about finding 15 minute pockets. And yeah. They, 
and if for example you're designing your logo shout out to the logo um, and you just design one corner in 15 minutes you come back next day you've got another corner over time you've got that one hour of solid work and generally when you work in 15 to 30 minute splits you're much more focused than if you have a straight two hour 100 percent. um but i still find it amazing the way that you've you see what I we're gonna we're gonna keep saying this, aren't we? um the way that you've it's a startup and it's probably still a startup the way you've led a community driven uh business um along with running a family business because i put emphasis on the word family it's not easy because no. you're taking your work home um so i have to give props to you for that um what are some of the challenges you've had in setting up within yourself not the community side that we've talked about the negativity but just within within yourself for the for the business for amazing for the right? business yeah so i think uh, what's actually interesting is the, the challenges that we've had um even at an established company like the family business right are no different to that of a startup i think you'll appreciate this as well right um so challenges we've had are time management managing of people because we have had for me the team that are on are on because they want to be on i can't pay them at the moment um they're on they're on for equity so they're on it because they believe in what they're doing right and they believe that there's value in what they're doing for me i don't believe the challenge is keeping them motivated i think they really really have that hunger and i'm very lucky every day alhamdulillah that that foundation of what we do the principle of uplifting the ummah is enough for them certainly enough for me but it's enough for them um because when it's your baby yeah you'll have all the energy in the world to do what you're doing but i'm so glad that they see it as their baby some of the challenges though that we've come up against is you know they're all full time in what they do some of them and them finding the time to really really commit even you know like when we did halal expo um trying to navigate the people coming to that so that our stall actually looked like there were people there and it didn't look like a one man band was pretty difficult because everyone's got their own commitments so communication is key and trying to get people in even when they've got a spare hour you know if it's 8 9 10 p.m. I'm very appreciative every day of the team that they give me that hour and I say thank you to them every day after that call um it might sound like it's just a regular thank you but that's what's going through my head they picked that one hour that's free for them in their own free time and they've allowed it to be the case that it's spent on amazing How did you feel when you're doing a startup you've got your own is digital based so you've got a whole website to do you've got a sales page where you've got a contact a whole lot of businesses I'm sure there's a whole lot of marketing going on you post on LinkedIn between 8:53 and 9:53 every single day yeah. Monday to Friday <laughs> <laughs> um how do you manage to do all of that because you have a certain skill set not you don't have the perfect skills in terms of you know marketing you know sales whatever yeah. no one does so how do you manage to do that yeah i mean i think you, i've i've listened to quite a lot of podcasts and certainly some of the ones that, that you've done where you can hear the team or they talk about their team and it just perfectly gels um but for me personally i'm not great at marketing i'm certainly not a techie i have no clue what they're talking about half the time when the tech team are talking um but the one thing i i am okay at is trying to get things in layman's terms so if i know something needs to be done there is always a way for someone like me to achieve it so coming back to your question you know 
how do I post on LinkedIn between 8.53 and 9.53, um, Monday to Friday? You're spot on on the timings as well. Um, scheduling, you know, I come up with um, my, my content on Sunday. I bang that out for an hour or whatever it takes. Um, and as I'm getting ideas throughout the week, I just write them down. I don't commit to writing it there and then um, or anything like that. And that saves me time. But I know it's important because by getting myself out there, you know, I'm on a podcast like this because I get myself out there. Yeah. So for me, one of the important things is unless you do it or you try, you won't know. And I like to fail early. Right. That's a big thing for me. Do it, fail early and go again. Um, so, you know, other things like the techie side. And this was a big story, actually. You know, um, when I was first starting Amazing, I was paying people to do it, you know, and there's only so much money in the bank account of a 21 year old um, and bank of mum and dad, you know, mum's Deborah Meaden at that point. She said, I'm out. So, um, you know, I can't, I can't ask for everything under the sun and I don't know what price is right. But the one thing that IWS or one of the many things that IWS has taught me is always ask where you can. So if you think you can get it lower, ask. If don't be scared to ask. You know, if you don't understand how they're doing something, ask. Even if it seems like an obvious um, uh, question. You know, if you've got lots of experts in the room and everyone's nodding, you know, just ask. And one of the things for me was, I'm not a technical guy, um, and I didn't know how to get from A to B. So to take it from a, a WordPress website, which is basic, to a fully coded solution. I don't know how to do that, you know, if I'd, if I'd known the people I know today, yes. So I reached out to my uni network and I said, who knows how to do this? Found two people, found one guy, introduced me to the other. That guy ended up being Zam. The second guy ended up being a waste, both my um, developers and, and key members of the amazing team. But at the beginning, I was paying them because I didn't know them like that. They were just giving me an invoice saying, yeah, we'll help you out, no problem. And especially in the early days, you know, when you're in the thick of it, you don't actually think that your idea is worth value to someone else. You, you know, you're just building it for yourself um, and obviously the community you hope to, to serve. But you don't think that someone else is going to get involved and say, I want a little bit of that. I'm really, really passionate about what you're doing. So it gets to the point where I paid my last bit of money to them and I have nothing left. And this, this platform is nowhere near finished. You know, we're about a year away of getting it to where we want to get to. I've asked the bank of mum and dad, I can't bring myself to ask any more. I've get, got rid of all my savings at this point. I'm thinking about getting engaged. You know, I've got to be clever about what I'm doing. So I made dua and I said, look, God, give me a way of making this work. And I kid you not, five days later, I got a text saying, Reese, I really like what you're doing. I think it's... I think it would be better if we stopped getting invoiced and we'd like to be part of it. Would you discuss us coming on board for equity and we can do this properly? And I just thought to myself, alhamdulillah, because I didn't even know I could have that conversation. Went from one to the next, got on, got Zamon, got people coming to me saying, can I join? I've got this skill set. And then I realized, in answer to your question, I don't need to have every skill set. I just need to know the people that can. And for me, that was a very important thing. I'm only one person and, you know, I'm doing a million other things, but I'm so passionate about what I want to do. So should I slow it down trying to move the margin on a website that I don't know how to do and make it look pretty before it's even got any sort of utility? No, I should bring smarter people in to do what I can't do and hope that they can, they can do it way better. And alhamdulillah, I'm so lucky that every time they put their hand at something, they've smashed it. When, when your dua got accepted, 
did that give you more conviction that yes this passion project of yours it can be so much bigger and better yeah massively i mean there was a point i mean back in the day i was quite active on twitter um and you know i was posting about what we were doing and it wasn't getting that much i don't think people could understand marketing a product that had never existed before certainly like you couldn't compare it to anything and it doesn't exist and you've got to try and build a following for that so for me those times were really difficult because i wasn't getting any like feedback i was getting feedback for people i knew and people i would meet and they say yeah yeah great idea you keep doing what you're doing but when that happened and i had people that were charging me thousands of pounds for hours and weeks of work and i know how much this sort of stuff costs now i've been in the industry to understand what what the uh, web development side costs and for them to say reese we don't want to take your money we actually want to be part of this and give our time not for free but you get what i mean and and actually have a chunk of something that is not liquid right there is no exit right now and be part of making there an exit opportunity that when that door got accepted i went into sujud because i knew that this was a tipping point you know they talk about a tipping point that for me was a tipping point because we went from there to say can i have this this and this to asking experts what do you think how can we take this to the next level what have you seen at the corporates that you're working with to give best practices and for me i had no clue so to have smart people in the room alhamdulillah and from there that snowball just kept rolling twitter blew up instagram blew up linkedin started blowing up and for me we were getting really really good responses from people and suddenly it became less of a project and more of a business but that's like we were talking about off air suddenly your confidence grew and when you sound confident uh, of when someone says don't pay that parking ticket sure. um, <laughs> yeah um but when you have that confidence the conviction comes through and it that energy hits the other person 100% that's basically what happened i'm not sure where we met in your journey but as soon as i heard about your idea i was like this is sick and i was probably one of them who just said just keep going i didn't exactly. offer i don't think i offered any other input um but i just said yeah just keep going it's a really good project but we followed or well, i followed your journey recommend probably any muslim business i say or oh, contact contact reese um going leading on to that actually how do you convince businesses to jump on the platform have you had any businesses that say mm, i don't think the platform's right for me or yeah um that's a good question how do we convince them to come on i mean because with me you t- sorry with me you told me you want to jump on a platform as a dear no problem yeah you i mean um, just just jumping circling back to what you were saying there because i think it's important was you were extremely um critical in the journey of building amazing as much as you don't understand i'm not saying this because i'm on the podcast right this is actually true right for any listeners that are wondering whether i'm met uh, taking the mic here genuinely because you are a a business owner you're my demographic you're a business owner a experienced business owner you've got a couple of years on me and you're running this fantastic place and you're exactly the type of person I want to speak to and get that opinion so when i was building i was sending you texts like saying um you know what do you think of this ui or or of user interface and and what do you think if i was to take this approach would you pay x amount do you remember that one and i don't actually that's it you know so this is what i mean you you were the one where i put a google form out you were the first person to actually reply saying yeah i'd pay this amount and actually this is something i'm lacking in i'd like this service you gave me validation one person gave me validation then it was 10 then it was 100 then it was 1000 but you were the first one so for me that's extremely important because 
If I didn't have that, I don't know how long it would have taken before I got there. But you gave me the confidence to keep going, even if it was just that one one question I asked you. It might seem like nothing, but it was something to me. I think I don't actually remember doing that. I just remember, <laughs> the, I legit remember a Google form you sent. Yeah. It's just come to me, but I don't remember anything else. I remember the website. Um, you asked me how long it takes to sign up yeah. and all of that. But I don't remember much else, surprisingly. Um, but I think is this is another reason to... Or for Muslims to support other Muslim businesses Or just in general people to support people's businesses Because we might say take I might take one minute of my time Or ten minutes of my time And support you But for you that ten minutes means everything 100%. And for any business owner who Being a business owner is, a, is lonely You have a team But we're still constantly with our thoughts What can we do better? How can 100%. we do better? Where do I find time to do all of this? I need to upload on Instagram I need yeah. to do a LinkedIn post I need to do so many other things, where do I find time? But on that point, what you've just mentioned there is exactly the demographic. And coming back onto that, that question I actually just missed there was, you know, do we get pushback? And, and how do people react to selling? But the problem that you've just raised there, you know, time, um, opportunity cost. You know, how do I get to, I could be making money for e-commerce, but my, my business is only trading on the floor right now. And I want to take my business to the next level. My 12-year-old daughter can't do that. I've asked her a million times, she won't do it. We are, the, we are bridging that gap, you know, we're giving you access to not just a community of Muslims, and that's a, a benefit in itself, but we are experts in what we do, where we can advise, take away that stress, and provide that platform for you to not have that opportunity cost, and to not have that stress on you. So, for most business owners that are wired your way, that know that they want to take it to the next level, that truly want to be amazing, they get it. They, they understand it, and our costs are nominal compared to what we can bring in for them. You know, we've had customers um, where we've taken them in for, let's say, for example, property. I done one LinkedIn post for them and brought them in, God knows how many impressions, but I gave them, according to them, three million in gross value um, leads. And of, the, I think, the 10 that came in, three of them converted, right? In a property setting, that's quite a lot. I didn't understand the value of what we were doing at the time. So the nominal cost that he paid for us, nothing. Nothing compared to what we brought in for him. There are others that are a little bit tighter on their wallet, and that's absolute, absolutely fine, right? They have a situation where they run their business a certain way. Um, they're happy at the, at the rate that they're at. And for me, they don't need to take it to the next level right now. They might want to later. If that's the case, no problem. But for me, where we get to that next stage is the ones that do want to take it to the next level. That's important, and that's our, our target market. Who is your ideal business? It's a good question. So we, we actually did this exercise to, to figure out who is the, the target market for us. So it's a, it's a business or a founder or someone who has started their business that's passionate about taking it to the next level. And that's where we use the word amazing always because, like we said, you can have a mediocre business. You can have a business that's just doing its thing and you're happy with the fact that it's uh, prodding along and, and it's doing its thing. Um, but there are certain business owners, I can name drop these ones, where you say like, you know, Chaiwala, Heavenly Desserts, um, other big brands that have really taken it to top levels, that they're the types of business owners that have a hunger to go to the next level. Um, we want to meet those SMEs and those, and those sole traders, whoever they may be, those people that are passionate about what they have as a product, as a service, as a business. business. Um, 
and they are the types of people that might need uh, help becoming amazing. Uh, we don't want the people in the middle that are happy with where they are. That, that's fine, you carry on doing what you're doing. But the ones that want to add value to a customer, the ones that want to take their business to different demographics, different geographies, um, different sectors, they're the types of businesses we work with. They're the ones that are truly amazing. The ones that are, are staying where they are, good on them. That, that's not the type. I don't want to be convincing someone that, that doesn't have a need. I want someone that genuinely has a need. Do you, do you reject businesses that approach you as well? Yeah, a lot. Because what happens is when you're a, a business or a marketplace or a directory, however you want to phrase it, that says, you know, we are Muslim friendly. That's a lot of responsibility. You know, you, you, we've had others in the past that say, you know, halal, when you use that word halal, that's a, that's a big responsibility, right? So not everyone that comes on a lot of the time actually goes through. You know, if, if there's an element in there where it could be considered uh, haram or even questionable, we'll, we, we'll say no until we ex investigate further. And if it's just genuinely haram, then no, sorry, you can't come on and hear the reasons why. If it's something that can be improved on, then typically we can help them do that. We can say, look, if you position yourself this way and, and potentially don't get involved with that or X, then we can, we can have a conversation about getting you on. And we get a lot of those. In fact, a lot of our time is spent on, on vetting and making sure that the businesses that come on to Amazing are actually Muslim friendly and are adding value because it's not just about whether they're um, halal or haram, it's about whether they're actually good. You know, you have a lot of um, businesses or service providers where there are negative reviews and there are sometimes negative reviews for a reason, right? If you truly give everything to the customer and you've got good ratings, you've got um, really, really good um, value in what you provide as a service, we want you. If you're doing things half-hearted, your customer service is lacking, your communication is every couple of days when you can feel like it, not for us. Our customers come first. The businesses that serve them, every business that comes onto Amazing has to have an amazing offer. It's not just like, you know, 10% off if you get this. It's genuinely thinking about what you can give a part of our community. The 10% is good if you've got value. If you're saying 10% off something that's just something done in a way where it's not gonna give the, the customer value, for us, that's not something we want to be involved with. That's not some. That's not an amazing offer. What kind of value are you looking for? We're looking for value where, one, there's a need from the customer. Two, there is a genuine change in the customer's life by offering that service. Now, when we say the amazing offer, you know, it can be the 10% off because the service that you're offering is pretty, you know, valuable, and that's uh, that's actually very helpful. Um, but it could be something really, really interesting. Like, you know, often. You know, free consultancies are something that's quite important and not everyone gives those free consultancies or even we had some really good ones when they were when they're working with the community, they impart some of their knowledge. So, for example, yourself, right? Very, very big in the property industry, right? Uh, mashallah. And there might be a situation with high castle estates where we say, you know, let's take 30 minutes of, of every month where you can provide X advice to the customers that are coming on here. Yeah, why don't we do that? Exactly. Well, there you go. So we yeah. just had that conversation, right? And for me, that adds more value to the customers rather than just saying, support Muslim businesses. That's great in and of itself. But the next stage is how can we really give value to customers? And that's why I say 10% when it's done on a half-hearted situation is not brilliant. 10% of a valuable service, that's something that's fantastic. That's something that's amazing. We can actually do that. We can set something up. Definitely, um, definitely. Where 
maybe once every two weeks or something I can have half an hour and then we can have customers and it could be probably your uh, audiences a lot of them are looking first time looking 100%. for houses and stuff like that we can look into 100%. stuff like that um, have you had businesses who say okay look amazing is not for me and why I think in the early days when we positioned ourselves as a marketplace, a free marketplace, and that was a goods-based marketplace like an Amazon or an Etsy or even a, a Shopify, um, we had a few big names turn us down. And really weirdly, the reason was, and it was a real learning curve for me, was because it was free. Because it was free, they didn't want to associate themselves with, with something that, in their words, less desired brands would be on, right? For us, we did care about the quality of the businesses that were coming on, but they also cared about the, the businesses that were um, going to be aligned with them. Now, if we fast forward to today, I can give you an example of how that's actually flipped from us learning about that. So now we do a subscription model. It's free, it's freemium. So you can join for free and you get X benefits. So you can sign up, do your listing within the one location. But if you pay, for example, on our 1999 package, you can get all locations, all sectors, and you can come up on more searches. Then when you go onto the latter packages, you get uh, featured on the homepage, you get um, digital marketing services at a discounted rate, get a, a lot given to you, right? Where that switched was when we got into the legal industry, we had them asking, well, who else is on the, on the platform? So I'd list off the names. And they said, well, you got them. I'd be like, yeah. And they say, well, how much does it cost us to go higher than them? Because if you've got them, we want to be on there as well. So as you can see, that switch from if you've got them, I don't want to be anywhere near you to if you've got them, I want to pay you more to be on your platform. I think that's a lot of it is the thinking of the business behind it, because some see the value in it and say, you know what, they're free, but I want to get that bit higher fast track tickets sure pay you 25 pound a month 50 pound a month whatever it is as you get another business which will say mm, you're free everyone will be on there i don't want to be on there and i think the type of businesses you want are the ones who say you know what i believe in your products i'll pay you and i'll be on top or featured or whatever you provide them um in terms of going forward what's next for amazing what does the next year look like it's a really good question. So we're now focusing on regionally launching our services, right? So we're focusing on Leicester, London, Birmingham, and Manchester. Some of the, the, big, the bigger cities. Leicester, obviously, because we started there, um, it's got a bit of a um, uh, sentimental value. Um, but what it looks like is we're focusing on the, on the wedding industry to begin with because we know for us that weddings are happening every year. I got married in 2021. You got married in 2021. Marshall, the day before. Right? Literally day before. Very creepy, very strange. But, you know, got mates rates. So um, uh, what we're looking at is how we can make that process a lot easier because we are a service provider, bringing all of those people in today. You know, we're talking about your videographer being fantastic at what he does for, for the I Love Monday podcast. But, you know, can we do more? Can we get him into to more sectors where we do it talking about weddings? You know, you get the wedding venue, you get the videographer. He does weddings. There you are, exactly. Yeah, weddings, bar mitzvahs, everything. So um, you get the, the wedding venue, you get the photographer, the videographer, you get the caterer, you get the Mendy artist, the makeup artist. That's a whole nother story, that one. So all in one place, very easy to contact, all in one place again. Instagram feeds are in there, TikTok feeds are in there. There is no reason 
for you to have to go onto different platforms. You can rely on receiving a message from Amazing saying your supplier has replied to you, have a look at the message and save it all in one board. So you can say all of my favorites are here and I, I, you can deal with that transaction as you'd like to. And because they're on Amazing, they're offering an amazing offer. So you're getting a better value than you would have if you just went to Instagram, where you've got no reviews, which on Amazing you do, from Muslims, and you've got no transparency as to the good and the bad. You know, Instagram is almost like a sort of lawless situation, especially when it comes to certain sectors. With Amazing, we're regulating that, we're making it much easier for the consumer, and certainly much easier for the business to say, I've got X leads coming in, and they're all on Amazing, that's brilliant. So moving on into the year, we're gonna push on for the wedding sector, and then we're gonna push on for the other sectors, because we believe that once we get traction from one side, it should really spiral into something else. We've got some really cool and, and exciting news for um, launching Restaurant Directory, um, where we've done a strategic partnership, inshallah. And um, inshallah, some really, really cool partnerships with some big names within the uh, matchmaking space. Um, so I'd love to be able to, to really help in that side as well. So we want to be that central hub where if there's a service, Amazing has it. And if you want to plan your honeymoon, you can find it on there as well. Travel planner. Travel planner, shout out Lukman. So, you know, that's the whole reason you and I went into Amsterdam. <laughs> so, um, but on that point, you know, as a consumer, you and I, I had that problem uh, trying to find an imam, for example, in Leicester, because I'm not from Leicester. I live in just outside of London. Trying to do that was difficult. I found a company eventually, because I'm not really that well in tune with it all. And eventually I figured it out. I'm now with the team, eventually remove that problem for other people. Whether it be the imam, whether it be the makeup artist, whether it be the lights, the entertainment, the whatever, it's sorted on Amazing. And that's just weddings. We can get you on legal, get you on Sharia compliant advice in finance. You know, trying to find a mortgage that's Sharia compliant, that's quite difficult. I Googled it, trying to find all these suppliers, right? Now it's getting a lot easier, don't get me wrong, but you can find it all on Amazing. So this is where we want to go. Every single sector, but definitely providing value for the customers. So are you trying to be like the Muslim business version of Google or Muslim business version of Amazon or like a mix or even Uber if you're doing food? Uber if you're doing food. <laughs> I think for us, if I had to compare us to someone to make it easier for the listeners, as boring as it sounds, I'd probably compare us to the likes of probably Google or something like Yelp, where you've got the services. Directory. And you, exactly, directory, right? But we are passionate about uplifting businesses from all. Just because we've started with services doesn't mean we don't want to go back to doing goods like we used to. So, you know, whilst we're talking about planning weddings, there are things to buy there. But what we know is people don't want to do a transaction on a website for such a big decision. That's where we are now. Maybe in two years time, even 18 months time, we want to be in a situation where we're building on top of the blocks that we built today. So I would say Amazon is a, good, uh, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a good way of comparing us. It's probably a flattering way of comparing us. But certainly we want to be that name where Muslims think about buying from somewhere. They think, I'll get it on Amazing. How many hours a day or a week do you spend on Amazing? It's easier to do this question mathematically a day. Um, at least four or five, because I do at least two in the morning, uh, about an hour in the uh, hour or two in the day, and then um, two hours or something in in the evening. And then you spend eight hours working. Yeah, 
I'm just thinking because you've got this whole plan of amazing food services. You've done like, incredibly well so far. I'm just trying to think where your time is coming from. So you're doing like 13 hour days. Yeah. I don't know if you sleep much. Well, to be fair, I, I mean, if you ask my Samsung watch, it'll probably tell me I don't. But um, the point on this is, you know, I'm at the family business as, as long as they need me. Um, where, when Amazing gains that traffic, inshallah, that it needs to, I will give it my everything. So it doesn't need to be a juggling situation unnecessarily. You know, family are very, very aware of that. Um, but equally, IWS gets my attention as well. The family business gets my attention as well. Um, so until I'm finished with everything I need to do there, and until Amazing gives us that traction that we need, you know, we're revenue generating, we're profit generating. Um, at the moment, we're not need needing to take investment on because of that. But there will be a situation at a point where we say, if I had the 13 hours to spend on Amazing and the rest of the team, what could we do to take this to another country? You know, Canada, Australia, America, any of the Western countries that are, are lacking in this sort of situation. For me, it's something that needs to grow and, and to be part of uh, the global way in which we buy and sell. So with having big ambitions like that, you can't do that on a part-time basis. I'm very aware of that. So when the time is right, inshallah, we'll, we'll make that decision. Do you have a time frame of, for example, when you're thinking of leaving IWS to concentrate on amazing full-time? I think I have that conversation uh, with, with the, the management at IWS and, and my family as well. Um, so look, I'd like to, to say that if, if the traction got to the level that we need it to be, um, at whatever month, I would be able to manage my time accordingly to step back and, and leave IWS at a place where it's performing better without me. You know, there are people doing better because I'm no longer there, not having to micromanage or anything like that. Um, but in terms of a date, you know, I, I couldn't tell you, but I'd like to think within, within the next 12 months, there'll be a movement towards going, going full-time on Amazing. To be honest, you can always do a staggered movement as well. I think that's right, yeah. Part-time at IWS and then do your full handover. Yeah. Um, what kind of traction are you looking for? Is it like visitors on the website? Or? Yeah, so for us, you know, we, we've had situations where we're getting visitors on the website, you know, a, a certain amount at the moment, which we're happy with. And we're not finished building, you know, as I discussed with you, the user flow needed improvement, you know, not long ago, right? So I want to be able to launch regionally and get that user, that unique user count up um, so that we're able to sell that space, those packages to those businesses very easily because we've got strategic partnerships with some big names where we can really, really amp up our users. Um, and I'm not allowed to mention them at the moment, but inshallah very soon. Um, so it's nearly there. It's, it's not a matter of I have to wait for it to come. I think it's nearly there. Um, and when it gets to that point, I've got different members of the team that are willing to go full-time, as they have already, some of them already are, before I do. Because personally, I don't believe I'm the most valuable person on the team. I have the vision, don't get me wrong, but the vision doesn't need to be doing things that a, a developer needs to do or a salesperson needs to do. I think I could come on a little bit later and that traction will kind of marry at the right time. But every car still needs a driver. 100%. And I, I'm very good at multitasking. I don't drive with a phone, but I can certainly, um, you know, drive a Tesla and let it go automatic if I can. You're, as, as you're a startup, you must have had people who've come to you or companies who've come to you say, we'll fund you. Um, have you ever had them in conversations? Yeah, you know, um, for me, when I started this, I wasn't looking for funding. 
So when the conversations on LinkedIn started coming through, I said no originally, but I took on the, the learning side. As, as I said, like, I'm hungry to learn things I don't know. So one of the things I don't know are a pitch deck. I don't know how to do a pitch deck. So, um, you know, there's some really good platforms out there that have given us their time. So, you know, the guys at IFG, Ibrahim, um, he gave us an hour of his time in the early days just to hear us out and, and learn about what we were doing. And, and he was very, very kind in saying, look, when you get to that point, when you're looking for raising funds, give me a shout. And, he, and I really, really appreciate people like that, right? And then coming got, on this podcast soon as well. Oh, mashallah. I think so it might be go. next week's episode. Oh, brilliant, brilliant, perfect. So um, I'm sure, you know, the guys at IFG have absolutely smashed it and, and they'll have loads to talk about on that, side, on that side. So for me, you know, having opportunities like that are fantastic. I mean, you've even got Wahid X. They reached out um, and they're a brilliant platform, right? They're, they're new, but they're a brilliant platform because the, the way their approach is very, very uh, collaborative. They didn't talk down to me um, to say, look, oh, you don't know what you're doing. You're, we don't want to have a chat with you. It was very much like, we'll be there every step of the, of, of the way. And for me, as a founder, 25 years old, I don't claim to know everything, right? Um, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm, like I say, I'm, every opportunity I get to learn, I will take it. So if someone says, I'll teach you how to do a pitch deck and I'll walk you through it and I'll give you drafts, 100%, I'm all on that, that's, that's perfect. But you don't get to meet people like that every day. So what's good to know is there are, you know, financial institutions out there like Curate Capital, like Wahid X, and I'm sure some others that I can name off, right, that are out there ready to fund. I've had angel investors come up to us and ask us, but unfortunately for us right now, well, I say fortunately, I say fortunately for us right now, we're in building phase, you know. We're not pre-revenue, but I would class us as pre-revenue. Um, and I think we've got a few more steps to, to do before I would happily say to an investor, let's take that investment and turn it and triple it and, and do what we can to give you a legacy investment that is an absolutely life-changing investment for you and inshallah the reward that you'll get um, on, on the last day. What's the best piece of advice you've been given by speaking to people like Wahid, IFG? I think you spoke to Sufyan Ismail as well. Yes, yeah. Today. He was the first one, actually. He just reminded me. Yeah, Sufyan um, came on as a... Uh, it, it was a totally un... un uh, sort of... I didn't see it coming, honestly. Um, he came on for one reason and totally switched it on me. And it, and it was brilliant. You know, you could see his experience coming through. And I, I genuinely... I'd never been in a room where that that level of knowledge was there so he was very kind you know he said look i love what you're doing but you can tune up on certain bits which 100 percent take on board um but i'll give you time with my guy that deals with investments he'll hear you out and he'll give you some some advice and um i think his name was shaib he gave me some great advice you know he told me about getting my name out there speaking to potential investors just creating a mailing list and getting it out there even if it's just good news and alhamdulillah, you know, that worked because when we launched, I got my brother who, who works in PR, alhamdulillah, to, um, to draft up an email for me and send it to all the relevant people. And that's how Sufyan got involved. And then that's how Business Live uh, did, our, did that post about us. And when they did that post, you know, I had some really, really um, respected people uh, message say, look, I would love to, to, to take you under our wing, give you some advice, talk to you about this. You know, if you ever need an introduction for investment, let us know. I don't think we're there yet. I think we've got a few more steps to do before, like I say, we, we can give an investor that, that level of return. And certainly through the experience that I've had with talking to these people just for advice, I think if I could refine what we're doing just a little bit more, when we are ready, 
it will be a life-changing investment for any investor that wants to get involved. Do you think that will be before you go global, like America, or after? I'm talking the next six months, genuinely. I think if we can hit the goals we have for traction, which I'm confident we can, inshallah, I don't think there is an opportunity out there for Muslims, especially Muslim investors, that give them the choice on both sides to uplift the consumer as a Muslim and the business as a Muslim, and that every transaction and relationship and interaction in between that is going to be facilitated by that particular investor by uplifting us and allowing us to do what we do. Imagine that on the last day where you can say that this is just isn't a level of investment that you've had. This is Sadaqa Jariah. What's one tip that you'd give to community-driven organisations like yourselves? I would say a very good tip for us that's kept us on the right track is remember your mission. Don't let anything else get in the way of your mission and keep your mission community-based. If that's what you call yourself, a community-based um, business, project, whatever it is, don't forget the mission because a lot of people, I fell in this trap, get sidetracked into the, the bigger sides of um, you know, VC, startup, you know, using those terms, right? Making it sound very fancy. And when they do that, they fall into that trap of forgetting the mission. And for me, that's not something I ever want to fall in, into that trap again. But certainly, if anyone can take on any advice from this, is just remember the mission if you're going to be a um, community-based uh, business. Uh, just a quick fire round before we finish. Um, actually, don't leave my phone. Um, Favourite food? Chicken biryani. I know that's controversial because people like lamb biryani, but I'm a chicken biryani guy. So, sorry guys. I'm so sorry. Don't let that ruin your view of amazing with or without potatoes oh, i like a good potato you know throw it in there yeah uh, favorite movie shawshank redemption or godfather but not part three because they ruined it i'm not gonna watch that i've just watched uh shawshank well at least you've watched shawshank favorite holiday destination you know what i'm not well traveled enough you know i've i'd say i'm going mauritius this um this year so inshallah, it's Mauritius for now. But I went Turkey, and he died out there. I love Turkey. How? Got food poisoning, ended up in the hospital, man. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, you mentioned. So um, that's because Lukman didn't organise my, yeah, my, exactly. uh, my holiday. Shout out, Lukman. Um, but yeah, I'd say Mauritius, hopefully. Favourite book? Ooh. I'll give you two, right? One's a self-help book, the other's a fiction book. The self-help book, I would say... The Richest Man in Babylon, very short book. Anyone that wants to learn about managing money, that's a good good book to read. Um, favorite fiction book, I would probably say um, Fracture, sci-fi. Is Quite that good. Uh, is there a movie after Fracture? Um, I think it's a slightly different one, uh, the okay. one on Netflix, but I think it's a slightly different one. And favorite day? It's got to be Monday, man. Uh, exactly. Is it? Love to see it. <laughs> um, where can people find you? Um, amazing.com, so U-M-M-A-Z-I-N-G, amazing.com. Don't forget the name, and if you ever use the word amazing again, remember it's with a U-M-M. That's Perfect. it. Perfect. Thank you very much for coming on. Brilliant. It was a pleasure. Thank you.